everybody. This is Issa Cosette, and you are listening to Issa's Way, your favorite podcast that you didn't know existed. You didn't know you needed, but we're so glad you're here. And this week, we have a very special guest, Joelle Arvella. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure to be able to sit with you again. You, well, you guys don't know, but Joelle was my first Airbnb experience guest. It was such a lovely experience, too, um, because I love Puerto Rico. It wasn't my first time there, but this is the first time I was able to go to Tolabaja and experience just a real-life um, exchange with folks. And it was lovely to be in your home, to have you cook for all of us, to have us do a toast for my birthday, um, talk about literature, talk about the history of the house. Like It was just lovely. And so it's like... It was definitely one of the highlights of my trip, and it just solidified my desire to move to Puerto Rico. So thank you for that. Yes, I can't wait to move back when we have all these like literature link-ups and nice mixers, you know? Tell the people a little bit about yourself. So I am Joyelle Arvea. I use she, her pronouns. I am raised as a Black woman. I'm also multicultural. And so although I was born in the United States, I grew up largely in Europe. I grew up in Egypt for a little bit, and then the cultural background of my family is still being discovered, but I know that there are some origins in Haiti and Puerto Rico and um, the Gullah people of South Carolina. And so as a profession, um, I've traveled many lives. (laughs) I really got into the work that I do now through my background in human rights law and civil rights law. I did that for a little bit and worked for the UN um, in the Netherlands and really just started to understand the scope of power and how it impacts all persons in many different ways. And so now I am primarily a racial and gender justice strategist and an adjunct professor of a law class that teaches the intersections of law, women, gender, and race. But essentially I spend my time in those realms of like, what are those nuanced and layered experiences for people who have racial identities um, that intersects with their gender identity, sexuality experiences, class, all those identities into one. Um, and what can we do about it? That's pretty much what I spend my time doing, trying to figure that out. <laughs> I think you're amazing. I'm like, I was going to say that. Being a strategist, doing your, your human rights activism and working in law and being also a professor, like so many hats, so many hats, right? How have all of these experiences influenced you or inspired you to become a writer? I grew up in a family that didn't really talk about race or identity. We were very much of the bootstrap mentality of just work really hard and then you'll succeed in whatever ways you define that. And so it wasn't until I was introduced to literature by the Afro diaspora, not just Black Americans, but really people from um, Martinique, people from Haiti, people from Puerto Rico, from Cuba, that I started to understand like, oh, there's a similar experience here and we're not talking about it. And yet I'm also able to relate to these things that were published a hundred and so years before I was born. Why is that? And we've become, if we are supposedly a post-racial equality type society, why are these pieces of literature still relevant? And so my journey really started with literature of understanding the way um, books, essays, poems can and do outlive their writers and they're able to really provide like a colorful, um, full context type experience of what's happening. And so I started out wanting to be in more of the arts. Um, I never thought I would be in civil rights work. (laughs) I wanted to be a dancer. I wanted to be writing 
poems and things like that. And so when I was introduced to these types of work and had my mind kind of blown of like, oh, there's like a whole system out there that I can try really hard. I can do everything right and still lose. That did not sit well with me. And so I will say that I maybe bucket my writing as like my creative practice, like my creative um, writing, as well as like my food and culinary explorations or like my creative artistic side. And then like my justice advocacy side is really where I'm a strategist and a professor. Um, they haven't crossed too much. Uh, most of what I write is really poetry as well as like fiction, um, definitely having the Afro-diasporic experience in there, but it's not nonfiction of like today's um, like contemporary news and things like that. Like I'm not one of those writers. I'm more of like, let's imagine what the world could be like, or let's talk about this experience from a fictional character so I can go deeper. Um, but in my day-to-day -day life, I do that. So it's probably why I separate it. I don't really know. I'm still figuring this stuff out. <laughs> you know, we're, we're all on our journeys in different ways, but I think I'm like seeing those connections because one of the things that I feel like you're nurturing is having that restoration in Afro-diasporic spaces. So how do you feel or why do you feel like it's important for us to celebrate and nourish and mentor and have these spaces, you know, for us? I think it's because it helps us remove that amnesia of ourselves. And I think because um, white supremacy is so sophisticated now, we don't realize how much um, people of African descent, black and brown people around the globe have internalized it to feel as if they're different from other black folks, including people in my family who look like me. I have a lot of melanin. I'm a deeper brown person and still may not identify as black because they feel like being black is only being Black American, and I even have some Black American friends who think only Black Americans get to decide what that experience is like, and that anyone who has an experience in Francophone countries or um, Spanglophone countries is not as legitimate, and I just don't agree with that. I think that um, Blackness, even if it's in a different language, has a very fluid and similar experience to those in the United States. And I think the more we begin to disrupt that horizontal hostility between folks who have the same origin, the more we can actually get to resisting different forms of oppression and also just restore our love for ourselves. I feel like when we combat these narratives around what it means to be Black or like, I'm Afro, but I'm not Black, or I'm Black, I'm not Afro, it's kind of like there's this implicit fear or like, I don't want to say hatred, but it kind of feels that sense of like hatred. Like, I don't want to be associated with these types of people because I fear what that will mean for me if I identify as that. And I think that when we can start to break that stuff down and realize that we're essentially all the same, we're just calling it different things, it makes us also love ourselves in a better, more empowered, more accurate and wholesome way. So that way we don't feel like, oh, someone's better because they don't speak English or I'm better um, because I do speak English, we can kind of get rid of that because it's, it's definitely more like the oppression Olympics, it feels like. It gets exhausting and I think that's part of the restoration of just like, can we just, we look the same, we have the same ancestry, I'm pretty sure we're all cousins at some point, let's stop fighting each other and who has it worse and work to resist white supremacy so that we, way, that way we don't have to carry on these mental burdens and like, just post-traumatic symptoms of oppression.
Ooh, I'm gonna just take a break because like <laughs> and I'm just like you're mine no because it's just like I wish and that's just the formulation of your mind your process of finding those connections you know and that's important to realize you know that we are though are we are we have our differences we are very similar you know in many ways and I do remember like as a child growing up and like my mom being like don't be like those black Americans and so you feel like okay well I'm African I'm African I'm African and then you grow up and you go to college and you meet other people and you realize oh like you said you're like my cousin okay we family we didn't even grow up and you find so many connections and that I feel like is like has been like my life lesson as you know a traveler because I never knew or even imagined really leaving Georgia so to be able to first come to Puerto Rico and then many other places and re and connect with people and find out that once we meet other people you know who may not have the same walk of life um and value you know that i am a liberian american who has found home in puerto rico who has been able to and i think your experience like you said being lived and traveled and seeing um all of the ancestral things that have been poured into you and all of these connections they're still valuable to this day who have been your biggest inspirations for you for you to just be this amazing person yeah. that you are. Like, who has inspired you to have this thinking and this understanding? Well, thank you for that. I don't view myself in that way because I'm still learning and unlearning. Um, but I'll take it. Um, there's been lots of people. People I've actually met and people I haven't. So in terms of people who I have met, one of the most profound people in my life was definitely my Aunt Shirley. She was actually my great aunt and I did not know her very long because I moved around so much. I knew her for maybe seven years and in those seven years she pretty much changed how I viewed myself and she's the one who let me know that I can always come home so just go as far as I want to go, try out new things, try different foods, don't put yourself in a box, like really just explore and you'll be fine. Like if nothing works out you can always come home and I think I've kept that with me because I've traveled to so many countries by myself. I've done, I usually do things by myself first and if people want to join, that's fine. But it's not like I have to be with folks to have an experience that I want to have. So she definitely inspired me to just have fun. She inspired me to get into photography for a little bit. She inspired me to love the arts and use that as a, a vehicle for expression of myself and she's the one who inspired me to go to law school because I was a very shy and timid child and I would only get in trouble or speak up when I defended other people who were being bullied and so she's like I think you need to tap into that because there's something that gets you riled up when you see injustice happening that you come out of yourself and you become a whole new person and so she's the one who inspired me to go to law school and I was accepted um like a month after she passed. So she didn't really know um, in person, but I know that she knew in spirit. And um, someone else who inspires me is one of my favorite um, actresses actually is uh, Luna Lauren Velez. I think she's an incredible um, Puerto Rican actress who started out um, in the movie, I Like It Like That. And it wasn't until recently when I saw her in New York at an event that I realized that she kind of had a tough time being cast as a Latina because she is Afro-Latina and many folks didn't think that Latinas look like her. And then just following her career since then um, has been remarkable to see how she's broken barriers for so many other folks. And 
I also just find her to be very humbling. I've never had a conversation with her, but I've been in the same spaces with her. And just the way that she carries herself reminds me to be mindful of, of just who I'm interacting with, because one, you never know who you're going to see. And you also never know who's watching you. Um, not in like the surveillance, obsessive critiquing type way, but just to be mindful, because you never know the impact you can have on someone, even if you're not talking to them directly. So I think those would be two of my top ones. And then as far as the writers go, Zora Neale Hurston is one of my favorites, as well as Toni Morrison. Those are some of my favorite writers, as for reasons we all probably know, but they are they are probably the most, the biggest influencers on my writing. On our journeys, like you said, not being afraid or being inspired to go wherever you go and knowing that home will always be, you can always come back to home or home, like my mother was saying, is wherever you are, you know, and understanding that and also seeing how these challenges that have come our way or these limitations that try to set us back really are pushing us forward. Once we have that ability to, once we learn from the past and, you know, and we have the opportunity to be able to grow into that, we can continue to do many things and, and share many stories, you know? Yeah. And I was going to say, it can also teach us to take breaks, you know, like being in this work and living this experience while also working in it can be very exhausting and draining. And so giving yourself the grace to take a nap, or just not show up today is also a big part of resistance and a big part of, um, I think, radical living, especially if you are someone who is black or brown woman uh, or a different gender or whatever that has multiple layered um, identities that are marginalized. Sometimes you just resting is an act of defiance. And I think more of us need to do that um, because it is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah, man. How do you maintain your balance or try to keep balance in all of your work and all of your experiences in your life? Pre-COVID-19, um, I did a lot of like working out. I would have, you know, set times for things. And then the pandemic happened and it really just shook up everything in my life with my students, with my own family, um, friends, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so now I have, it took me a long time but now I've dedicated the weekends to working only in my garden before I was in meetings and on zoom and organizing and strategizing seven days a week of like, how do we get outside of capitalism? And it's been going on two months for us here in Baltimore. And so that's a long time to be doing this for seven days a week. And so just two weekends ago, I made the shift of like, okay, no more zoom, no more meetings, no more anything. Um, Friday afternoon into Sunday because I'm, I'm burning out. Um, and so, yeah, I got, oh, and I also got a garden plot. This is my first garden plot with a group of other black and brown farmers here. Shout out to us, a new <laughs> gardeners on our way, our little, I'm so excited. This is like so one of my, fun. like, so much fun. And it's so nice to just see your babies grow. It's like, oh, look, at, look at my little thing. I did that and it didn't die. Right, like even during this time, things can still grow, you know, like it's so great. Exactly. And, and it brings me so much joy to like see, like you said, the starters. I'm looking at them right now on my windowsill and like I um, turn the soil at the garden and I'm like getting the mapping out of what it's going to look like. And it's just really fun to take your mind away from technology and pandemic and focus on like getting your hands literally in dirt and the earth. And it's just like a nice reconnection. 
Yes. Restoration. Everything that's growing, I've just been able to just connect. I feel like not only just with my grandmother, but just finding like um, my tribe in Liberia, they were known as farmers, you know, and I didn't know that before that. And so just being there and I've only left my house very a few times throughout this um, break, but going outside, like you said, touching that, that dirt, you know, getting your hand and it's just like, whether it's <laughs> painting, you know, or dancing or, you know, Spanish classes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> So these, these little things that just nourish us so that we can always come back on Monday or whenever we're going um, to be ready and to be full because we can't just keep running on empty cups, you know? Yeah, That's real. And um, it's something that I unfortunately um, didn't realize until things were happening with my students. Like in this past month, who I've had students, plural, become homeless immediately because camp was closed and they were living in their cars and they didn't have anywhere else to go. I had students who relapsed and needed care and things like that, and they couldn't get access to it. I've had students who had attempted suicide. Like there are a lot of things happening because of this pandemic and it can become very heavy if we don't take care of ourselves. And so, yeah, I think the garden is definitely one of them. Writing is definitely one of them. And it's funny you mentioned that you didn't know your, um, your tribe in Liberia were farmers. I knew, I guess when I was little, but I didn't have that memory come back until a little while ago that my grandfather was a farmer and he actually had his own garden. He had a rose garden. And so I'm going to plant roses for him and um, all of that. So I was like, Oh yeah, I do remember being really, really little and pop had a, I like vegetables and he would go out back and like pickle his um, cucumbers and stuff that we would eat. And so, yeah, it's amazing how much you don't remember and how much you restoration you don't realize you need until you're introduced to something um, quote unquote new. It's not new, but it's just new to you in the moment. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that totally makes sense. But everything comes out full circle. I know you have a poem to share with us today. I do. It's kind of long, so I hope that's okay. And it's one of my poems that I love to read over and over and over again. It's by Nikki Giovanni. If everyone is familiar with her, it's called Ego Trippin'. There may be a reason. And I love this poem um, for many reasons that I'll get into after I read it. So I don't want to like spoil it for you if you're like, this is not what I want to listen to. Um, but here we go. So Ego Trippin, Nikki Giovanni. I was born in the Congo. I walked to the Fertile Crescent and built the Sphinx. I designed a pyramid so tough that a star that only glows every 100 years falls into the center, giving divine perfect light. I am bad. I sat on the throne, drinking nectar with Allah. I got hot and sent an ice age to Europe. To cool my thirst, my oldest daughter is Nefertiti. The tears from my birth pains created the Nile. I am a beautiful woman. I gazed on the forest and burned out the Sahara Desert. With a packet of goat's meat and a change of clothes, I crossed it in two hours. I am a gazelle so swift, so swift you cannot catch me. For a birthday present when he was three, I gave my son Hannibal an elephant. He gave me Rome for Mother's Day. My strength flows ever on. My son Noah built new ark and I stood proudly at the helm as we sailed on a soft summer day. I turned myself into myself and was Jesus. Men intoned my loving name. All praises, all praises. I am the one who would save. I sowed diamonds in my backyard. My bowels delivered uranium. The filings from my fingernails are semi-precious jewels. On a trip north, I caught a cold and blew my nose, giving oil to the Arab world. I am so hip, 
even my errors are correct. I sailed west to reach east and had to round off the earth as I went. The hair from my head thinned and gold was laid across three continents. I am so perfect, so divine, so ethereal, so surreal. I cannot be comprehended except by my permission. I mean, I can fly like a bird in the sky. Amazing. Ego tripping. We are, I think like, oh, what was that line? There's so I was like, which one do There's I so like? So many lines, but one of my favorites is I'm so hip, even my errors are correct. Tattoo. Um, I was like, Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm gonna sit with this poem after we get on this call. Absolutely. Like every time wow. I read it, like a different line jumps out for me, depending on where I am in that moment. But it's a it's a beautiful poem. And I love um hearing her performance. So if you want to look it up and watch I it. I see there's a video because I was reading along with you. Yes. She's lovely. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with me. You're so amazing. I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> uh, like my breath is taken away. I'm just like, give me a minute to collect myself. Wow. Thank you, Joelle. How are you on your way? How am I on my way? Um, the honest answer is I don't know <laughs> because uh, it's something that I've learned to let go of that control just because before this time, I was very much a planned out type of person of like, I need to have everything done on this day in this way. And now with this pandemic and just traveling more, I realized that I'm more comfortable not knowing um, how I'm on my way. And that's still a growth for me. Um, and it, it is a lot about taking, um, taking risk and letting go of control and trusting that I will be secure and taken care of no matter what. So I don't know how I'm on my way, but one of my desires is that my way includes Puerto Rico because I want to move there and um, reconnect with my roots in some way, at least partial of my partial roots of mine um, and continue that way. So for now, that's my way. Um, and in other ways, um, I'm still defining, finding out what that means. I think that's a perfect answer where where you are where you're going and trusting like you said just not trying to be in control because I think that's just what happens you know just being in this like capitalist society we have to do this for a certain time this and make this and this and make this money but like you said once you just embrace all that you've been given and all that you are more abundance will flow you know and coming back to Puerto Rico will just align all of that for you <laughs> well that's that's what I need to do <laughs> All my answers are there. <laughs> it's coming, it's coming. I'll, once all of this is over, everything will be in line and then you will be on your way to Puerto Rico. <laughs> Tell everybody where can they connect with you, your workshops. If you would like to follow me and learn more about what I'm doing, hit me up on Instagram at joyel, J-O-Y-E-L-L dot Arvea, A-R-V-E-L-L-A. And I share links to my other work. You'll find links to my upcoming workshops and courses that I'm offering for people who want to dive deeper into layered experiences. And um, you also find a link to my website and things like that. So if you're interested, give me a follow. Thank you so much, Joelle, for coming on here to share your story just a little bit. And I look forward to reading, writing, and growing with you and understanding that my way, even though sometimes we don't know where we're going, is still fine and is still on track, you know? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Thank you guys for listening and continue to move on your way unafraid. Until next time, be blessed.